It's all Summer League today. We'll hear from Bryce McGowan's, the second round pick from this year, and the Summer League head coach, Jordan Surencamp, all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Locked On Hornets is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right. We're giving away three of them. These are the guys known for making the incredible retro three quarter scale at home arcade games like Pac Man, Golden Tee, and many more. You can enter to win on arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade1up.com slash locked on for your chance to win a Shaq edition. Summer League is here. We got probably the most exciting Summer League team play last night against the Utah Jazz. The Oklahoma City Thunder got to see Chet Holmgren, my boy Jalen Williams, who went 8 of 11 from the field. The other Jalen Williams played. Poku was throwing up shots left and right. They played the Jazz. Oklahoma City ended up winning. Thunder Maybe. Is this the Thunder year up? where all of those picks actually manifest into some winning out on the court? And this is what we're going to have to ask with the Charlotte Hornets Summer League team. We'll get their first action tomorrow as they travel out to Vegas today. They will hold, I believe, their last media availability today as well. Yeah, first and game's we, Friday. First game's Friday. First game's eighth. Friday. Excuse me. Yep. So first game is Friday. They're going to be traveling out to Vegas um, this week. That is today, I believe. They're heading out there. Uh, I'm very then, I'm, I'm, very confused, but I'm glad that we've already got a correction for for you because I have a correction to make before we move forward on <laughs> yesterday's show. I think I, ins- I, I insinuated that Steve Clifford would be the head coach out in Vegas. I read a press release wrong, although it's not my fault. Well, no, if, I mean, Doug, it's not your fault. Nothing is your fault. It's well, going to be theirs. It's the Hornets. I, I agree with that, but this in mm-hmm. particular was not my fault because I got the press release <laughs> and under the roster, it says head coach Steve Clifford. Uh, okay, maybe I stopped reading there and didn't read mm-hmm. anything after that, okay? But under it, it said the head coach of the Summer League team is going to be Jordan Surencamp, who is the head coach of the Greensboro Swarm. So, yes, I got it wrong. No, it was not my fault. No, of course it wasn't your fault. I also like how you lead into that segment by saying, I insinuated that Steve Clifford <laughs> is the head coach. <laughs> Yes, it's just so deep within you. It's so deep within you to deflect any wrongdoing. You insinuated it, it, which of course leads us astray. Instead of just flat out saying Steve Clifford was the head coach. (laughs) I alluded to it. I hinted at it. No, you flat out said it. But you can still blame the Charlotte Hornets if you want to. We will go ahead and go along with that, quote, unquote. Let's actually talk about the head coach of the Summer League team, Jordan Camp. We'll do that later on. Third segment, we have some sound from him because he spoke to media yesterday, had some glowing reviews for one Mark Williams. But let's well, talk I about some Bryce. Sound, I, have, I have some sound right now if you want it. Uh, he talked about, you know, speaking of Steve Clifford, he, he may not be the head coach of the Summer League team, but he mm-hmm. is – very involved. He's on the ground right now in Charlotte, uh, you know, watching over things and, and commenting. And, I was there. Yeah. So you saw got him. You got eyes him. on him. Mm-hmm. Eagle eyes. I do. Awesome. Uh, anyway, so Jordan uh, was asked about Steve Clifford's role. Would you would you like to hear what he said about that? Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear Jordan Surencamp, the real summer league coach, talk about what Doug said was insinuating the summer league coach. 
Well, and he's been here and, you know, evaluating and doing all that as well, which has been fantastic, you know, for the team and the coaches as well. Uh, he's really just preaching, you know, very basic things of competing, right? We're going to Vegas to win basketball games just as much as we already develop, right? So he's been here uh, preaching the competition part of it, the organization part of it, uh, playing the right way. Right, sharing the ball on offense, being there for your teammate defensively, you know, those are the pillars in which we're going to build this uh, organization around at the foundation. What did you hear that, Walker? Did you hear that I heard word? The word? I heard pillars. The word. They I are heard back. the word pillars. That's how my the, uh, yes. um, that's that's how my grandparents said pillows. Pillars. <laughs> hey, uh, by the way, before we talk about this, that audio uh, courtesy of Skylar Callahan from SI.com. Yeah, appreciate that, Skyler, putting out some of those videos there. Did your grandparents also refer to the couch as the Davenport? Because that's what mine did. <laughs> How old is that? So old. <laughs> is, is, is referring to a Davenport, also, that sounds highfalutin. That not only sounds old, that sounds a little first class to me. Ooh, I don't oh, think. I'm going to go sit. Let's go sit on the Davenport. On the, I don't think anybody Have a glass is of doing. wine on the Davenport. You ha- it might be highfalutin, but you're also not doing that under the age of 70. If you're over 70, <laughs> then your couch is. Is it? Wow. Is it with a V or a B? I think it's Davenport. Davin. I think that's, yeah, Davin. V is in Victor. As in Davenport. Uh, Victor is in the Lone Ranger's nephew's horse. Um, yeah. So Jordan Cernkamp talking about Steve Clifford being there. Got to see him. You know, speaking with Mark Williams actually a couple of days ago when I was over at the Spectrum Center, kind of coaching him up through some of those drills getting this to is fun. Talk this is them. a fun segment of all of the things that walker is it's like i spy what, what i did... spy yeah well i'm just i've got eyes down over there man i'm trying to make sure that we give the people what i know which is nothing all it's all it's really just seeing stuff and so you can interpret however you want to i'm just insinuating some of the stuff that i've seen so then you can kind of grab on latch on to whatever you want to um it is nice to have steve clifford there it would be a little questionable if he wasn't to be honest with you new coach trying to get used to the new guys that you have on this team as much as you possibly can Hired especially late. this yeah this late in the process right yeah. and so it, it's nice that he's there you know I, I don't know if there's a ton of credit but also it, it's good to see steve clifford um go ahead doc well what's interesting walker is that jordan Surencamp is a holdover from the borrego mm-hmm. regime he um is was currently the head coach of the greensboro swarm but he's not the only holdover we know about nick friedman uh the the much lauded uh, player development coach uh, is also still on the staff along with Norm Richardson. And you said uh, that you saw Jay Hernandez, right? At, at this I did. Uh, last practice you went to. I did. And I, I guess I don't know the outlook for some of these assistant coaches. I think Dutch Gailey, he's gone, right? So that's one guy that the Hornets have moved on from. And Jay Hernandez is somebody that's pretty praised here. I know that he had a really good relationship with Kimba Walker. I believe the lone season that they worked together once Jay Hernandez joined that James Borrego staff and then obviously stuck around. A lot of people like Jay Hernandez. So I I wanted him to stay on the staff and I saw him um, a couple of days ago and I spy. There was Jay Hernandez. So hopefully... And I would assume that means that he's staying with the Charlotte Hornets at least for this year. And who knows about the following years after? I think we'll we'll probably hear some more announcements about staff. We did get a report from Jake Fisher. That's right, folks. We're going fishing. Oh, we got a big one. Set the hook. Um, Set the hook. We got it. 
Uh, Jake Fisher reporting that uh, Clifford was bringing on a, a few uh, familiar names, at least to Clifford. Uh, Tyrone Corbin, who he worked with in Orlando, uh, his last head coaching stint. And then Bob Beyer, who some uh, eagle-eyed or eagle-eared listeners slash viewers may remember from the early Bobcats days, Bob Beyer was on Clifford's staff. So he is adding a few new names, but Walker, I, I feel pretty confident in in the reporting that was going on around the Kenny Atkinson hire, not hire, uh, that there may have been some, uh, some degree uh, by the organization, some degree of wanting to keep player development staff and, and some of their staff that were under contract with a new coaching regime. And that seemed to be a problem with some of the candidates that they were interviewing. Yeah. When we do the blame game, who gets blamed for the way that Kenny Atkinson I love a stays good blame in game. Of course. It's, it's, I blame it's, press releases. It's built. Of course you do. It's built in the very fabric. <laughs> that is our job. We have to shed blame on something. It has to be somebody's fault as to why this happened. Although I do believe that it has to be somebody's fault. I think a lot of it is Kenny Atkinson. The fact that he went through this entire process, understanding that Golden State had a pretty good shot of actually winning the championship, mm-hmm. that his family likes staying in the Bay Area, that if some of these rumors were true too that James Borrego was fired the way he was which apparently he said apparently one of the reasons was the fact that hey he could have a good year kind of like James Borrego winning over 40 games and still get fired you knew that going into the process and it's not like JB didn't get enough time he got four seasons so it's not like they have uh, a quick decision making process if they don't feel like you reached their expectations all of that's true I put a lot of that on Kenny Atkinson. The part where it does come onto the Charlotte Hornets is the whole, we need to keep these assistant coaches in Multiple. line. We want to hold over some of these assistant coaches from the JB era. And also, we don't want to pay them league average. That's the that's the damning part on the Charlotte Hornets. But a lot of this is Kenny Atkinson. Some of it is the Charlotte Hornets, and it's really specifically to that assistant coaching thing. Yeah, and all the again, all this is is reported allegedly. We've we've now been careful enough with with how this is, but it, but it, that's what it looks like. It smells like that. And and look, if you love a guy like Nick Friedman as an organization, you say, hey, Nick Friedman has been really responsible for the the elevation of Cody Martin, who we just re-signed to a big uh, to a big deal, and Jalen McDaniels, who's going to be an important part of our organization next season. If you if you like that, then sell that to the new coach. Say, hey, we really like this particular. But that doesn't seem to, this seemed to be. Hey, we've got multiple people uh, that we want to keep. And and if you are if you're coming to a new coach and saying, hey, we just fired the old coach, but you got to keep all these assistants. Like that is ridiculous. And I and and if that's if that's true, and it seems like it's true. I would put that definitely square on the organization. I will say, yes, it would be silly to ha- to make it clear that we want Jay Hernandez and we want Nick Friedman a part of this organization still, and you have to keep them. At the same time, if we like those guys, if they've had clear roles in big-time player development, and it's only those two that the Hornets are saying, we want to keep these guys a part of this regime, and everybody else is fair game, then how much of that is a part of Kenny Atkinson, right? Like uh, that's that's where the reporting lacks some details is exactly how many assistant coaches did the Hornets want to hold on to and how much did Kenny Atkinson use that as an excuse because if it came out said, well, they wanted to keep Nick Friedman and Jay Hernandez in place and I just thought that was ridiculous, so I'm going to stay in Golden State. Like at that point, it's like, well, maybe we don't put a ton of blame on the Hornets. The league pay thing, that's 
that's inexcusable. Just pay league average at least. <laughs> uh, value them. Um, because then that looks bad if you want to keep multiple and pay them lower because you yeah. don't want to shed, shed out the money or shell out the money, I should say. But like, yeah, that's that's the interesting part. Well, we'll see exactly yeah, you how. you shell out money, you shed right. cash. You shed, you shed cap, and you don't want to shed the assistant coaches because you don't want to shell out any more money to those assistant coaches. You got it. Let's, let's talk about Bryce McGowan's and get some help from Richard Stamen coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about that second round pick from Nebraska to see how, I guess, where he ranks in the intrigue list for some of the players that will be out there for summer league, but also just uh, what we think about Bryce McGowan's and him being on that two-way contract. Not before we talk about Arcade1Up.com. Boom shakalaka. We have big news. It's the one, the only NBA jam and it's back. Arcade One Up is the leader in at-home retro arcade games. It's not only bringing the best game ever back, but they've made it bigger than ever with a wait for it, Shack Edition machine. You can jump clear across the court. You can set the ball on fire and one of the first sports games ever to feature real and digitized NBA licensed teams. No fouls, no free throws, and no quarters required. Compete with friends and family through all new Wi-Fi leaderboards, making you more connected than ever. Pre-order now from Arcade1Up.com. That's Arcade, the number one, up.com. For an estimated early September ship date, Arcade One Up is the place for fun. They've got even more classics like Golden Tee, Mortal Kombat, and many others starting at just $399. Check this out. They're also giving away an NBA Jam Shack edition to a locked on listener. Enter for a chance to win a game console for your man cave at arcade1up.com slash locked on. That's arcade, the number one up.com slash locked on. You've got till July 8th, just a couple of days to enter to win NBA Jam Shack Edition's console. Don't miss out. Enter today. Who are you going to play with? Here's that conversation from Richard Stamen coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Back with Richard Stamen joining us to talk about the NBA draft, Jalen Duran trade, Mark Williams. You can find that in the previous segment that we did. We now need to talk about Bryce McGowan, somebody that we really didn't talk a ton about during the pre-draft process, Doug. He was going to be in that range in between 15, certainly 45, where the Hornets were originally slated to pick in the draft. But they move up five spots to go take Bryce McGowan's out of Nebraska when he was available. They felt like he was the guy worth trading up for. So, Richard, I ask you, what did you think about moving up five spots to go get him, getting rid of a future second-round pick? And overall, what should uh, Hornets fans know about their new player? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Bryce McGowan's. I actually really wanted him in Dallas. Uh, he went just a few picks after Dallas picked Jaden Hardy. Um, I thought it was great value. He was somebody who I gave a very late first round grade, thought he could be a project. And for him, it's, he doesn't really need to develop skills. Like that's not something that's on his plate. Um, he's somebody who you look at, he has the jump shot. He's a great athlete, really good ball handler, uh, shifty and getting to the rim, strong first step, uh, just crafty in general. I think he's got good foot speed on defense. If you look at every raw tool, he checks the box. However, decision-making and just overall raw feel to the game is very prevalent. Like, he will pass up. Uh, I don't know if it was a Nebraska thing. team wasn't that good. Some of the habits were, you know, building that were just bad. Uh, he would just miss guys on the drive. That's really the stuff he has to work on is just being a consistent decision-maker more than anything else. All right, so over-under, we'll set it at, you know, I guess just give us your percentage on – 
the likelihood that he makes the roster if he's on the roster in three years, right? Like, is this because they have a bunch of young players, James Booknight, who we had some unfortunate news come out on on Wednesday um, about his injury, maybe even Tuesday night. But you do have James Booknight, talked about Kai Jones, still have Mark Williams, right? You have some younger pieces in place that you're trying to develop. JT Thor, somebody I didn't even mention. McGowan's plays different positions than some of those players. But what do you think the staying power is for Bryce McGowan's in the NBA and maybe with the team that drafted him? Yeah, I don't know if he's on the Hornets in three years, but he's definitely in the NBA in three years uh, just because of James Booknight. really depends on what happens with that. They're very similar players. So for me, you know, I, I do think he's going to be somebody who pans out. Um, again, I had him first round grade. Yeah. It's just that raw ability or that raw decision making is really what holds him back right now. Steve Clifford's not the best coach at developing young players. It scares me a little bit. Uh, but you look at the raw skill set, and I think that really does become something. At the worst, he's a good trade piece. Well, we'll have to see what the staff, how the staff fills out, and and see you know where uh, where player development factors into that. I think that's going to go a long way into um, you know giving people good feelings or bad feelings about this organization's continued focus on developing young players. But they they moved up in the draft to get this guy, so it would seem to me that they would be somewhat focused on trying to bring him along. Like they they sacrificed something. Uh, to move up to 40, and they worked him out. They obviously liked him, and I think Bryce even had some some pre-indication as to where where he was going to end up. So I, I think the, the the feelings were were strong on draft night for McGowan's, and I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at some of these sort of draft projections for him. And other than NBA draft room, I mean, ESPN had him going 29, Athletic had him going 22. Uh, this was from an article on June 14th, so not not crazy. Uh, old uh, ringer had him going 22 si fan nation had him going 21 basketball news had him going number 32 so i mean is that is the raw sort of decision making that you're talking about there is that what you feel like dropped him that significantly from 20 from the 20 to possibly 30 range to 40 yeah that's that's absolutely my guess that or if teams you know just don't like his work ethic or something like that if that came out in the middle of uh those interviews and pre-draft process i could see that being an issue too but i really think it's just that raw decision making and just raw ability where he's not ready to impact a winning team for year one or year two teams maybe don't want to be patient i mean we see that a lot and maybe charlotte just found gold uh, how do you how do you see his fit next to Lamelo Ball if he were to work his way up in in uh, a season or two? Uh, what's his fit alongside Lamelo? Yeah, six six guard uh, with a plus three and a half wingspan, I think is a very good fit. You can never have enough size in a lineup like that. I think he's just an all around offensive player where you know he's not going to do anything special uh, in terms of just a unique skill set, but just having a complete offensive player next to Lamella ball just seems like a really good fit overall. I mean, you play off ball too. So you have somebody who takes the pressure off on ball being a little bit of a creator for both himself and others, assuming that the, again, those decision-making, the finding the cutters and passers as they're open, not a second late, uh, you hope that stuff develops and then he can score too. And I think that's a great fit next to a star. And he fell, he fell out of the first round. So he's got that chip. He's got that all important chip on the old shoulder. Doug, does he fall in the category of falling too far and then the Hornets taking a falling star or no. does he fit? So he, he's in the chip category. Yo, you can't know that, that category asking, goes I'm away. Asking a question. That, well, that category goes away in the lottery after okay. the lottery, a second round, anything can happen, you know, that's Fair not, enough. 
but he's got that chip on his shoulder. I don't know if he has that dog in him, but he's got right. that chip on his shoulder. Fair enough. Dogs and chips. That's what we look for in players that we draft here in Charlotte. A couple softball questions before we get you out of here regarding the NBA, Richard. Um, what do you think was the most surprising thing to happen on NBA draft night? Uh, there's a certain player I'm lower on than most. Uh, it's somebody who I... <laughs> Give us the goods. Give us the goods. I, I, we know. Yeah, we know the answer. Know he, had him, he had him 70 on his board. He no, had him like, no, he had him like o- o- overseas playing it's in different. Latvia. It's, Doug, he's telling us Walker Kessler is not the guy he's bringing up. Give oh, us the goods, wow, Richard. All right, Stunner. I thought it was going to be no, Walker I, Kessler. Walker who Kessler, he, had, he had serving hamburgers at McDonald's, not playing for any... And certainly not going... In the first round of the NBA draft. Well, hold on. I want to explore so, that because wouldn't that be the worst job ever for a seven-one dude, like to be at tough. the window serving ham? Like you can't. Eat, you have to I duck down. But at least the people in the car wouldn't have to get so close to the building, right? Like you could reach out pretty far and then not have any damage <laughs> done to the window or something like that. All right. Sorry, Richard. Go ahead. Well, who, so, who's the player? Yeah, What's your take? I have this player much lower. I don't want to say the final spot because, like, it's disrespectful, probably. But I. Uh, <laughs> I had I had Peyton Watson just would not have drafted him, and wow. him going first round at number thirty, giving him a guaranteed contract. Somebody who, I, I from my research, he is the. This is gonna say, it. say it. He say it. He is the worst statistical player in NCAA to get drafted this century. Three points wow. per game, three rebounds a game, thirty-two percent shooting, just absolutely terrible. The best case scenario is somehow everybody was right. And saying, oh, it was such a bad situation that everything was deflated. The stats were just way overstated of how bad he was. And it was just overall the situation was bad. But I I just don't think that's it. I don't buy him being a shooter. Uh, He is incredibly passive. He's a good defender. His best case is becoming like a bigger rope person. And I don't know how likely that is. Uh, So that was a huge shock to me that he really went the first round. Um, If there was another round, let's say that the NBA was, I don't know, however many years ago when there were more than two rounds, would (laughs) would you have drafted Peyton Watson if there was a third round of the NBA draft? At the end, at the end of the draft. (laughs) Okay, we got him drafted. That's all I cared about. (laughs) Um, All right. And the other softball question here, winners and losers. uh, I guess, you know, you think Peyton Watson, right? Loser here for sure. But who do you think was a winner and maybe another team you wanted to bring up as a loser? Yeah, I'll keep I'll just keep dunking on the Nuggets. Uh, I didn't like Christian Brown. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of him. That is probably his number one fit was Denver, but not a fan of him at 21, given some of the players on the board. Uh, I really liked what the Rockets did. I thought Jabari Smith and Tari Eason was a really good haul. Uh, I was shocked that they moved the pick for Wendell Moore to Minnesota. I can't remember who they got back. I think they got Ty Ty uh, Washington. They also, yeah, they did get so Ty Ty. Yeah. They also got a traditional point guard, which they desperately need. I think they got a bunch of a bunch of just uh, complementary pieces to their current young core. So I like what they did. All right, that's Richard Stamen. Follow him on Twitter, at Mavs Draft, until at least he changes it to Hornets Draft. We appreciate the Buzz City t-shirt. We appreciate you always for helping us with these NBA prospects, making us feel good about the Charlotte Hornets. I felt like that was a pretty positive evaluation, right? Like, if you would consider them Tier 1 winner, Tier 2. Let's end on that question, Richard. Like, where, where would you say they rank among all the other NBA teams and how they finished? We'll have a good yeah. tier question. What was that? I said, I love a good tier question. They're the best. They're great. <laughs> I, I was a big fan of what they did. Okay. Um, I liked the Mark Williams pick. I thought it was fine. Uh, I loved the Bryce McGowan's pick, though. That was such a home run of a pick. And also, there's a very good chance 
that they have two two first round picks in the stack 2023 class like just to give some context of why it's so stacked like um it, the recruiting class i mean it's a very simple overview but this the recruiting class is ridiculous we have two pros already that are uh, head and shoulders above every prospect in the class right now and scoot henderson who's in the g league he's, he's approaching his second year there and victor Wembanyama over in france who is seven four can create his own shot defend pass it, it's ridiculous <laughs> it's, it's, which it's I, rick smith's with handles I, it's, it's stupid in, in mobility like it, it's yeah. nuts and that's the headliners of the class but then you go down the list and it's like okay this guy probably like you look at nick smith or Der- Derek whitehead um, those two guys probably could have gone number one in this class. And obviously it's easy to say all that high school, but uh, I really just do think they, they knocked it out of the park with getting more future talent and getting good immediate talent. We needed some positive evaluation for the Hornets and what they did on draft night. Richard Stamen provided that for us. Richard, thank you so much. We always appreciate the time. Hopefully you have some time to settle down as we are post-draft going into the offseason. Take a Thanks nap, again. Richard. Appreciate you. Thanks again to Richard Stamen. A little bit more tame of a segment there compared to the last time. Doug did not intervene. Doug did not ask him about Air Bud compared to anybody else that was a fictional basketball player. And so we got some excellent analysis on Bryce McGowan's. Coming up next, we're going to give you our analysis on Bryce McGowan's. Talk about some of the comments that he had in yesterday's media availability. Also discuss just the mix between veterans, quote unquote, like second year players and some of the rookies on what you could see um in vegas come summer league betonline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info you can find all the latest sports developments league reviews and news including this year's major league baseball regular season i finally nailed it i did not go ron burgundy there bet online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information including live betting esports and scores and betonline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season betonline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events including mma boxing and golf you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts more summer league conversation coming up next on the lockdown hornets podcast awesome stuff from richard stamen actually a fan of what mitch kupchak did in the second round <laughs> doug we know that mitch kupchak does have a good track record it would you say it's like the best thing that he's done for this organization so far the way that he's handled second round picks well, Maybe filled, even a cute, yeah, yeah. He's he's filled the coffers, you know. I mean, I, I think that's that's important. Drafting drafting well in the second round can be a huge benefit for your organization because you don't constantly have to depend on for those role players. You don't constantly have to go out and overpay for that kind of talent to put together the roster. Now, you know, if they would use those savings, well, all I'm asking is to use those savings and go back and mm-hmm. reinvest it into bringing uh, maybe a few more A-list or B-list players. Uh, but but yes, yeah, so you cannot fault his ability to bring in second round talent and turn them into actual rotation players. Well, and first round picks have been good based on the talent alone, right? Like we can go to, yes, James Wiseman could have been that pick had he fallen but they took Lamelo ball who was there and there were some questions a little bit as to maybe they could take somebody else pj washington an excellent pick you know miles bridges not necessarily worth talking about based off that right now but when we talk about first round picks just the draft in general mitch kupchak has done a good job i think i give more credit to the second round hit rate because it's so hard because of the fact that so many other nba teams will use their second round picks on guys that never pan out. 
you have these players getting to their second contracts, like Devontae Graham, who's worth the first-round pick in a trade and worth double-digit million dollars annually. Cody Martin just signed for $32 million total. Jalen McDaniels, an easy, easy pickup team option and is going to make somebody – he's going to be on an NBA team and contribute next year. He is a part of a rotation. That's really hard for some of these second-round picks to be a part of a rotation like that. Bryce McGowan's is going to be next on the list of guys that could be a part of, you know, a second round contract, right? Like, or, or excuse me, a, a second contract out of being a second round pick that actually gives you quite a bit of money. Here's Jordan Surencamp, the summer league head coach, talking about Bryce McGowan's and maybe what he can bring to the team, maybe even just in this little five game stint they're about to play. His natural ability to score on the open floor is really impressive. Uh, his length defensively causes problems. Um, you know, the offenses. So I think those are things that stick out. You know, he was able to score the ball at a high level in college, and I think that's something he'll naturally be able to do uh, here as well. You know, I think the next step for him and something we're continuing to work on is his ability to play make, right? Handle in the pick and roll, come off of DHOs, you know, with his size and length and a natural ability to score the basketball. I think that's the next layer for him. Um, and it's something that as we continue to, to go through practice and watch film and play these games, you know, we'll ask him to do. Um, and he's bought into doing that. So, you know, his understanding of when to play make, you know, when to create for himself. Uh, and then obviously his, his tenacity and focus defense plays important as well. Does some things that match up well playing alongside LaMelo. One, the size is good. Just being 6'7 and having two 6'7 guys, if you have your hands up, it's going to be tough for passing lanes to yep. open up for the opposing offense. He's great at getting to the rim. He's a really good finisher. And I think that matters, especially with LaMelo, who if you were to talk about his weaknesses, he's not the best driver as when it pertains to scoring himself or finishing himself. Bryce McGowan's kind of the exact opposite of that. Really crafty, but also explosive. Also kind of strong. Like he welcomes the contact. He'll finish with some physicality, which is really nice. He doesn't, he's not huge. He, he's more so the wiry. He's more so the kicker from the replacements. He's wiry enough to finish down there. And I, I like all of that. Plus, it con he converts those shot attempts into fouls. Got to the foul line a lot at Nebraska and can hit those free throws. All of those things mesh really well paired alongside a LaMelo. The question is, is he going to play at all beside LaMelo? Because he's a second-round pick on a two-way contract. And they're going to be... Uh, other backcourt mates like Terry Rozier, obviously, as long as he's not traded. But James Booknight, we have to try to still figure out. Cody Martin certainly can play in the backcourt. And defensively, there's not anybody that passes him that's on this roster as currently constructed. So it's going to be hard for him to get there, Doug. But in a hypothetical world where Bryce McGowan's does play alongside LaMelo, the fit, pretty easy to see. Bryce McGowan's is is a really exciting offensive player, but he is a bit of a project as an all-around rotation piece. So I while I don't expect to see him much in the regular season, I think Bryce McGowan's is like the perfect summer league breakout player. He has all of that potential. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if after Summer League, we're talking more about Bryce McGowan's than we are about Mark Williams. Why do I say that? It really has, because uh, I think Mark Williams actually is the player that you're going to see in the rotation the soonest, making the most impact in the regular season next mm -hmm. season. But because the Hornets don't have a point they don't have James Booknight he's he's injured he's not going to play in summer league they don't have a, a, a real crop of point guards 
that can come in and make a bunch of plays. You just heard Camp there say they're looking for him to make more plays. I think this is really set up for Bryce McGowan's to handle the ball a lot, to score a lot, to play make a lot. And I think he's going to be the one player we go, wow, that uh, Bryce yeah. McWowens more like. Oh no, that one's, I love them. I love those types of games. And yet that one still made me cringe a little bit, but I think you're right. And plus it's just harder for Mark Williams to really give you that wow factor with the, I mean, he can dunk it. He'll roll to the basket. There's going to be some fun alley-oops there, but Mm -hmm. as far as the self-creation, it's going to be a lot easier to see. It's not going to be fun. Because he's not going to be handling the ball. He's not going to be driving, you know, really what you're looking for out of out of him is not I don't think we're looking for Mark Williams wow factor we're looking for Mark Williams can you stay on the floor factor we're going to see mm-hmm. can, you know what what not really quite is the same his ability ring to it but I think you're right still in describing the factor that way yeah yeah can he stay on the floor can he guard in space how does he deal with the pick and roll on defense you know those are the kind of things how do they use him I mean I think that's really interesting how is mm-hmm. you know Clifford is coming in and and reshaping the offense somewhat and reshaping the defense somewhat. How does that affect, you know, we'll, we'll get a good look at, you know, do they play Mark Williams exclusively in drop coverage or do they allow him to switch a little bit? I mean, I think all of that's really interesting, but Bryce McGowan's is the player that really, I think, has the most potential on this team to give you the wow factor. And no James Booknight playing in Summer League. So McGowan's right. going to have his shot. Scotty Lewis also, and maybe another name to watch for because he's athletic too. And so Scotty Lewis will be interesting as well. How do you balance that? Veterans, which is kind of what Scotty Lewis is in the Summer League world, the second, third year players that are getting there. And how do you balance the minutes between those guys still fighting for an opportunity compared to a second round pick from this year, a first round pick from this year, the rookies mm-hmm. that you just signed? Mm-hmm. Here's Jordan Surencamp talking about just that. You know, I'm going to have conversations with the front office and Coach Clifford and staff about as well. Um, and that's something that we're just going to have to navigate as we go. You know, at this point, um, there's no set rotation in, but, you know, there's obviously guys that are, are going to need to get reps and opportunities. So how we piece those together, how it plays out, you know, is still something that we're working through. I think the big man rotation is something to pay attention to there first and foremost. I mean, the backcourt, you, you, I think you can give those guys – you can give the right players the minutes that you want to, right? I, I think when it when you talk about front court, though, Nick Richards, Kai Jones, where is Kai playing? Four and five. Kai said he's playing more four in practice. We'll see if that bears out in summer league. And and Mark Williams, all of those players. Exactly how is Jordan Cern Camp handling the big guys on this team? I think that's certainly the rotation piece to look for. Surencamp mentioned uh, that they are playing Kai more at the four because they've got some depth at that five position, confirming what I, I think we suspected in that last episode, which is is not that Kai is necessarily more comfortable at the four or that his future is at the four, but that uh, just this particular situation has him more at the four. You know, here's the thing. If Nick Richards starts over Mark Williams, we're doing something wrong. In my opinion, if Bryce right. McGowan's uh, isn't starting over Scotty Lewis or or starting alongside Scotty Lewis, then we're doing something wrong. Like Bryce McGowan's needs to be in the starting lineup. Don't look. Last year they didn't play the rookies enough in the regular season, but don't let that mistake 
sort of spiral into you know making you feel like you need to play some of these returning players more in summer league to get a good look at them. No, like I think you you use summer league to see what you have, what you just drafted, the thing that's most mysterious. You have some tape on Scotty Lewis. You got some tape on Kai Jones. You know that's fine. Like they're going to get minutes. They're going to get play. But I but I really want to see big minutes for Mark Williams. I really want to see big minutes for McGowan's. That's that's what I'm focused on. Yeah, Scotty Lewis, I guess I agree with you more so. I, I just, I, I wonder if how much it matters that somebody's starting. I think Jalen Williams, for instance, did not start last night for Oklahoma City and still led the team in minutes. I, I think get, I have that you right. You are obsessed. I'm this just is Shay all over it's again. You are obsessed. It's a problem. It's you, a problem. Yes, it is a and problem. And now they're playing on the you same team. You need to team. see someone about I this. I just was trying to make a point. He didn't start, but he played the most minutes. Now, if that took place with a Bryce McGowan's, then I think we'd be okay with that, right? If he played all of those minutes without actually being you know, out there for the first five, I think we would be okay with that. Um, speaking of Mark Williams, at least, we're talking about him being a rookie, getting some more of those minutes at a spot they feel like they're at least deep at in summer league not regular season but at least deep at in summer league you know what is jordan cern camp going to look for out of mark williams here's what he had to say just yesterday he's able to pick up on things you know he had the deer in the headlight look a little bit on day one as most rookies do uh when you have such a short period of time to install offensive concepts and actions and then go through an entire defensive philosophy it's a lot for you know a young kid so um, his ability to pick up on things very quickly has been really fantastic. He asks questions. He has the bright attitude about all of that stuff. Um, you know, he's not afraid to make mistakes, and that's how you learn, and that's how you grow, and he's done that to this point. And then ultimately, he embraces all of the pillars that we want within this organization. He competes every single day. He plays, you know, selfless basketball. He pours himself into others, um, and is really a big piece to, you know, trying to make this organization or continue to make this organization a winning player. Pillars. Is, is Steve Clifford going to go with the pillars mantra? I thought that left with James Borrego. At l- it's at in least the contract. Bro- he has to keep. They, they put it in mm-hmm. his contract. Look, you got we've got team options, first two years, and you have to keep every single one of the pillars. We paid for yeah, the pillars. I, you've got to keep the pillars. That was uh, that was Sir and Camp talking about Mark Williams and what he does well, picking stuff up. You know, at least asking the right kind of questions and a glowing review on Mark. So we'll see if that can uh, carry over to summer league. And I, I am excited, right? I'm I've, I'm never crazy excited to watch defense in summer league. I mean, you, you want to see him cover a lot of ground, right? You want to make sure that that's there. But we're going to have to be paying attention to Mark Williams on that side of the uh, court as much as anything watching him specifically. Well, hey, defense, it's not as if defense goes unnoticed in Summer League. Remember last Summer League, it was Davion Mitchell playing for the Mm -hmm. Sacramento Kings, locking up James Booknight on defense, and that caught a lot of people's attention. So it's not as if Mark Williams – I give Bryce McGowan's a, I would say, a slight edge of coming out of this thing with the wow factor, but that's not to say Mark Williams has no shot. I mean, if he's out there – He's out there blocking shots all over the place yeah. and just commanding the ins- the interior. For Hornets fans, I don't know if it'll capture the national attention, but for Hornets fans, we're going to be losing our minds if that happens because we've been sorely missing that for so many years. I'll just say this. like If Mark Williams goes out and dominates the paint defensively, when I lay my head down on the pillar at night, I'm going to sleep good. 
Yeah, same here. Thanks for joining us once again on Lockdown Hornets. I'll be thinking about the Pillars all day long and all summer league long. First game is going to take place on Friday. Jordan Sernkamp going to lead those guys. Hopefully they develop, and you might have to call on them this regular season. Now, thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you make your second listen. Lockdown NBA, 30-minute daily update over at Lockdown NBA with a revolving door of hosts. So make sure, again, you check it out on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great day. And we'll be back with you tomorrow.